Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. I'm a, I'm a parent of three teenagers. I need love, hey. So I need like... Morning, everyone. This is the type of moment when I realize that God is exceptionally gracious. So despite all my faults and all my nonsense, He gifted me with an amazing wife. So those are the moments where you recognize and realize that God is good. Amen? If you knew Blader, you would be very loud on your amen. Okay, so we are going to talk about stewardship today. But I want to start off just on taking stock. So I want you for a moment just to... Get a word in your mind or a phrase in your mind that describes best 2020. So no swearing. This is church, right? So just one word or one phrase that when you bring it to your mind, it absolutely describes 2020. You got that word in your mind. Don't share it. Just it's like a personal thing. Well, Taiki, you can share yours. What's yours? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Do you have that word in your mind? So this weekend or this, this week, I, I worked out of Sanson and I saw a Nando's billboard and they had a word for 2020. So the word was futsek. <laughs> so they, they've got this amazing ad. So they, they went like, say futsek to 2020 with our festive fed up feast. That is great marketing. Who's in marketing here? That is something that is like absolutely brilliant. Okay. But having one word to describe a whole year actually doesn't help us to take stock, right? It doesn't help us to to make sense of it. It doesn't help us to make sense of it from a spiritual perspective, from an emotional perspective. So so just saying FUTSAC to 2020 is not going to help us spiritually, emotionally, and physically. What is going to help us is if we really take stock, if we really try to make sense of it through God's eyes, and through the eyes of people around us. So that's what we're going to start to do today. So the first thing that I'm going to ask you is just to to bring to your mind those visions and wishes and prophecies that you had in your heart for 2020. So those visions, visions, wishes, or prophecies that in your heart you had for 2020, those hopes that you had, if it's just one or two, something that you wished for, something that you hoped for, just bring that to your mind. And then I want you to to take a step further and say, bring to your mind that Scripture-based promise that you based those wishes and hopes and fears on. You see, we, when we think about 2020, we bring these things to our mind. I hope this, I hope that, I hope this, and now I might be very disappointed. But when you take a step deeper and you say, okay, but what did God speak over 2020? And then test this year against God's voice, God's heart, God's promises over 2020. It takes you into a totally different realm of stock-taking. And now for the last part, I want you just with those visions, that scripture, and what actually happened in 2020, just bring to your mind a rating between 1 and 10, where 1 is, 
it just didn't work out the way that I hoped or prayed or thought. And then 10 years, it was smack in the middle of what I hoped, prayed for. Okay. You have a rating. Don't show your rating. If you're sitting next to your spouse or your wife, you may. But for the rest of us, we'll keep it to ourselves. Okay. You've got your rating. So I want to I wanna share with you just the sense of what I've experienced God wanted for us today. He wants to speak to us about your rating and how you can steward that rating. So if you had a rating between 7 and 10, let's just say you had a rating of 10, how do you steward a 10 rating? If you had a rating between 4 and 6, how do you steward a 5 rating? And then how do you steward a 1 rating? So what is a 10 rating? A 10 rating is somebody that, uh, that went into this year, and before this year, they invested in Zoom, in Microsoft, and in Netflix. Anyone? Probably the person that paid for the, for the television. So that's a person that started with a 10. Or maybe at the beginning of this year, your, your year, you were just down and out, and you actually had a breakthrough. You were just in such a bad space in Jan 2020. Now in November 2020, you say, right, this is actually better. Maybe you work in an industry of healthcare or agriculture or in IT industry, and, and you actually didn't have a bad year. Or maybe in lockdown level one or two, you met somebody on a dating site, a Christian dating site, hopefully, and uh, you met that person here at Hatfield Square in lockdown level four, and he actually looked like the picture on his profile. Anybody met somebody on a dating site that you would admit to? Okay, so that's a 10. That's what a 10 looks like. What does a 5 look like? A 5 is a rating where you're sitting here today and you're sitting in what is called a crisis of faith. And maybe when you think about this 2020, you're thinking, God, you showed me your promise I followed it and then went to hell in a handbasket. So that's a crisis of faith. Lord, you showed it. I built it, but I believe that you would protect it. And now this, this, this dream that you built with God in obedience with God's word and with his heart is smashed. That is a culture a, a, a crisis of culture and a crisis of faith. And a one rating is that with the rest of the world, you realize that you don't control your life. This illusion of control that you had, that I can actually control what happens in my life, in the life of my family, in the life of my kids, in the life of my business, you realize there's a one rating, I don't control squat. And if I don't control it, then the question is, okay, who does? And your ability to put your life back together, you don't control either. And you're sitting here and you're sitting with a one rating. So in my life and in my family's life, in certain things we have a 10 rating, in certain things we have a 5 rating, and in certain things we're sitting on a one rating. And I want to share with you a, 
a journey that God has taken us on, on how to steward our one rating, our five ratings, and our ten ratings. Because in stewarding a one rating, you have to steward this fear that nobody controls this world, not even Christ. That is the fear that you have to steward. And if we're honest, there are people sitting here today that just, they, they realize that they're not in control, but they fear that God is also not in control. And if you're sitting here and that is what you're feeling like, it's okay. At least you're honest about what's happening in your heart and what God wants at this moment in time to come speak into your heart today. And if you are sitting in a, in a crisis of faith, God wants to come and help you steward that crisis that you are experiencing. And then if you have a, a rating of 10, what God wants to do today is He wants to help you fight the risk of passivity and complacency. Are those worthwhile journeys to go on? Worthwhile questions? Yes? Hey, I've got teenagers, hey? Yes? Okay. Aren't you glad you came to church where we are going to hear from God how to steward the real-life circumstances that we are sitting in? I love God's Word. So let's start. We're going to go into stewarding a 10 rating first. We are going to start well, and then we are going to end in devastation. No, we're going to end well as well. Okay, so starting in 10, stewarding a 10 rating. Stewarding a 10 rating is... is uh, it's quite an important thing for all of us. And I want to share with you a story that, um, that I want to just be personal for a moment. But in talking about stewardship, I first want to say this. A definition of stewardship I want to share with you has got two components to it. When you apply it to a 10 rating, a 5 or a 1. My first definition what I want to offer you is that stewardship is an act of looking after something or someone. Okay, that makes sense. Stewardship is an act of looking after something or someone. And then stewardship is an act of worship. Stewardship is looking after something or someone, and stewardship is an act of worship. And I, I put it together in this way. If you put that up, to this, uh, up on the screen for me. Because I recognize that God not only cares for me, but loves me in a way that made him sacrifice his life for me, I want to express my gratitude as an act of worship by taking care of what and whom he has entrusted me with. Stewardship. I'm going to read that again. Because I recognize that God not only cares for me, but loves me in a way that made him sacrifice his life for me. I want to express my gratitude as an act of worship by taking care of what and whom he has entrusted me with. Paul says it a lot better. He says it in Romans 12, 1 verse 2. And I read from the CSB. He says the following, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Let's just stop there. This is your true worship. What does this verse has got to do with stewardship? The mercies of God. 
says that God loved us. He loved us first and he loved us perfectly. This is the grace. This is the mercy. This is the thing that God gifted you with before you even were formed in your mother's womb. God had mercy for you to give you a life everlasting by sacrificing his son. Now with that mercy in mind, that grace in mind, the response is then to present my body. And the word that is used there in the original text is the word soma, which means my entire body, my entire being, everything that I have. This word is also used in the context of a slave. And in the context of Christ, it means a bondservant. Now bondservant in, 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 in the, the scriptures mean the following. I was a slave, but I was set free. I was a slave of sin, but I was set free through what Christ did for me. But still through an act of my free will, I choose to serve the one and worship the one that set me free in the first place. So the mercies of God, the fact that he loved us first and he loved us perfectly brings me to a point where I want to give my whole being, not only my wallet, not only my car, not only my house, not only my children, my whole being I want to give to Christ. And this is what Paul says is our true worship. One way that we can give our everything back in gratitude to him. And then in the middle of the year, I came to this point and I said, okay, if I believe this, am I doing this? And I realized that our 10 and our 5 and our 1 and our family, I was stewarding badly. I was stewarding it badly as the, as the father of the house, as the husband in our house, as a businessman. I was stewarding my 10 and my 5 and my 1 rating badly. But then God gave me this verse 2 where he said, But then do not conform to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and will, perfect will of God. And this is what we're going to do now. We're going to allow God to transform our minds in the way that we steward. And I'm going to share some stories from our personal experiences in, in our family. These stories are not meant to judge us or me or my family. It's meant to, to give authenticity to you as to where you might find yourself. So let's go to the 10 rating. Stewarding the risk that you become passive and complacent because everything went your way, even the dating sites. You didn't meet in a dating site. No, okay. I just put them on the spot, Yandre. But he was very authentic. He said no. Do you want to share where you met? Not really. No, you don't have to go there. Don't worry. Stewarding a 10 rating. I'll, I'll share just God's purpose for my life in the prof professional realm. So what God did in my life is one morning he woke me up in a dream. And uh, I thought that I had very, something very bad to eat. But actually, it was a vision that God gave me. It was a vision of two palm trees pumping oil into a lamp, and that lamp shining a light over Africa. And I woke up, and I went, what does that mean? Don't understand it. Then a few months later, I happened onto Zechariah 4. And in Zechariah 4, God gave this vision to Zechariah 
two palm trees pumping oil into a lamp, and this lamp shining a light over Israel. And somehow God used me in my brokenness at that time, and he, I was chasing after money, and I was chasing after many other things, and God stopped me. And he, he revealed to me this concept of that Africa, and I'm in the financial services industry, that Africa does not have sustainable finance to grow and to become the continent that he wants it to be. And that there is one tree, there's a banking sector, the overarching financier of, of the whole continent, but that one tree would not be large enough and strong enough to withstand what would come. And he led me into a place and he said, you know about banking, but I'm going to ask you to go and plant other trees. And I said, God, but I know nothing about these other trees. I don't know about asset management. I don't know about pension funds. I don't know about these things. But he said, but I do. And I said, Lord, if you are going to take me out of banking that I had done for 10 years, if you're going to take me from there, then you need to show me that this, it's me that you're calling. And God being God, he took up that task and he said to me, okay, so go and research your names. If you want to know exactly whether I've called you, go and research your names. And then I didn't like my names because my names are Bosov Cornelius Grobler. So it's B.C. Grobler, before Christ Grobler. My parents, I mean, what they were thinking, I don't know. But then he revealed it to me. He said, okay, so this vision that I gave you is two palm trees. Your name, Bosov, means a cluster of trees. Your name means the trees that I want you to plant. Your name, Cornelius, means the bearer of light. And your surname, Grobler, means strong. You're going to need all your strength. God called me personally. And he called you personally. And if you want to know the ten that you can steward, the best way to do it is understand God's promise. Not to have a hope over 2020 and then being devastated, but basing the hope that you have for 2020 on God's promise for your life. That is an understanding of deep, deep faith. That is mature Christianity. But then this person that I thought was, I was quite a mature Christian, right? I've been going at this for a while. I've got grace hair to show for it. When we went into lockdown, I wrote down this question. I said, Lord, can I rest now? Because you see, I'd been going for this for 25 years. And I said, Lord, can I just go and sit? I just want to, I'm tired. And God answered and he said the following, and I wrote it down. The past 25 years, Bosov, has only been the building of the platform from which you are now going to accelerate. And I said, no. <laughs> this is the first time in this year that I had spent time with my family consecutively where I'm actually part of their lives in a big way. It's the first time. And I said, God, no, I'm going to spend more time with my family. All this traveling around the place, that is no good for my family. And I made all of these excuses. I was stewarding the blessing of a 10 rating of God, what God had done in my life. I had stewarded it badly because I wanted out. And maybe you're sitting here and you, you need to think about how you steward your 10. 
how do I steward this? And the risk is that you become complacent. And I want to share with you the scripture that God took me through. The scripture is in Joshua 14, 6 to 12. This was the scripture. I didn't, I didn't pray and then God just sent his angels and they, you know, smattered stuff. And then all, all of a sudden I understood. Sometimes it happens like that. But scripture is the place to anchor your life through. If you want to anchor 2020, anchor it on scripture. If you want to anchor your professional career, anchor it on scripture. If you want to anchor a decision what to make in 2021, anchor it in scripture. And this is the scripture that God gave me, Joshua 14, 6 to 12. The descendants of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. They're now in the promised land. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the, Ken- 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 the Ken- Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord promised Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the Lord's servant, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to scout the land. And I brought back the honest report. My brothers who sent me caused the people's heart to people to lose heart. But I followed the Lord by my God completely. And on that day, Moses swore to me, the land where you will set your foot will be the inheritance for you and your descendants forever because you have followed the Lord my God completely. And that word followed is akar in Hebrew. That word followed means it follows you like the hindquarters of an animal. So God walks in front. I am so attached. My life, my vision, my, my purpose is so attached to God that I follow him as if I am the hind part of this promise. And I follow him completely. And this is what God said. He said, this man Joshua, when he was 40 years old, he was not even an Israelite. He was a Kenizzite. He was not part of the tribe of Judah. They were taken up into the, the, the tribe of Judah. He was not even part of the promise. But when he saw the promise, when he saw the power of the promise. He realized that this power, it was worth fighting for. At the age of 40, he saw the promise in the promised land and he said, if this is what God has got for me, then I will fight for it. And then for 40 years, they were meandering around and then they went into the promised land and stepping into this promised land, this guy was 80 years old. And he said that I will fight to make this promise a reality. There are people here today that God gave you a promise in your heart, but you have put it aside. That promise that God has given you is so powerful, it is worth fighting for. And if you want to steward a 10, you need to steward in a way like this man at the age of 80 where he said, I will not let this promise go. God has got a promise over this church, God has got a promise over this country. The powerful promise is worth fighting for. But then if you are going to steward a 10, you need to fight for it with God, with His Spirit, and in new ways, new creativity, new energy. This is God's Word for us. And at the age of 85, verse 10 says, this man went when they start dishing out land. At the age of 85, after having fought for 45 years, what does he say? Give me the mountain. There are giants there, and I will slay them because this promise is worth fighting for. What is the promise that God has given you that is worth fighting for? 
What is the promise that God has asked you to steward? Friday evening, I got home. It was such a difficult day. I really, I struggled breathing. Beda was doing, uh, what's Naldwerk in English? Needlework, but with a machine, so it's not a needle, it's something else. Sewing, sewing. Thank you. Beda was doing sewing in the, in the sewing room, and I sat on the bed, and I just, I, I, started, I started talking about what this hour and a half prayer time with God looked like. And it was probably the most vulnerable place that I had been for a long time. And I, don't, I can't remember what I said, but I just said, I said to her, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if what God has now given me to do, whether I can do this. And Blader prophesied over my life right there. And I want to give you that prophecy as well. If you're a person that's struggling to steward a tent, and what God said to me through the, the words of my wife at that moment, as she said, and you must hear this, what God has got for you in your future is better than the past. What God has done in your past, He will do tenfold more. But then you need to steward your ten in a way that fights every day against passivity and fear and a lack of confidence. Because if you understand the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be 85 and you will slay giants. You can be 15 and you will slay giants. I want to share with you this verse, Psalm 37, 4. Psalm 37, 4. It says, take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. That word delight means to be pliable, to be soft. So what the psalmist says here is he says, Align your heart to a promise that is worthy of your energy. There is nothing that you can think of. There's nothing that you can put together that is equal to God's promise over your life. And what he says here is he says, take delight. Form your heart in a way that is God's heart. Make your ambitions God's ambitions. Make your hopes God's hopes. Make your wishes God's wishes. And then he says... And then he will give you your heart's desires. Why? Because it's his desires. Why? Because it's desires that are worth fighting for. It's not the nebulous nonsense that we put into our hearts at the beginning of the year and then try to rate ourselves against it, which is not from God. God gave his son for you. He's given your life a promise that is worth fighting for. How do you steward a five? How do you steward a five? When you're in a crisis of faith, you kick the bucket. That's what you do. There was a joke. I just moved the bucket because I'm going to slip. 
That was a gasp. Sorry, who gasped? <laughs> Sorry, sissy. <laughs> How do you steward a five? Okay, so I'll share just a quick story about our lives again. Eight years ago, nine years ago, Blade and I were absolutely distraught with what's going on in marriages in this, con- in this country. And we decided to, to team up with people and we, and we bought a place where we do marriage counseling. So for eight, nine years, there's like every month, there was like a hundred people that go through those marriage counseling camps. There's like men's camps and women's camps. And what we did was we ran it as a commercial like lodge so that we could subsidize the, the ministry that happens there. So godly plan, right? I, got, I can show you a scripture that God said, here you go. This is what I want you to do. Okay, so what happened to lodges and hospitality in lockdown? Zigolo, nothing, next. I had never seen in my life a revenue line that said zero. Like next, zero, next health, next revenue, nothing. Revenue, nothing. And then in South Africa, we had like proper lockdown, yeah? March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Okay, you know that song. For five months, zero. And then I said to God, okay, so God, the deal here was at least break even. At least break even. I said, God, you showed it, we build it, and now it's broken. We're not even getting to break even. When I say I wasn't stewarding my five well, I was in a crisis of faith. I said, Lord, what is going on here? And then I said, okay, but okay, maybe we don't get to a break even. And then we said we're gonna, we, we now need to start you know, retrenching people and we need to see if we can keep the place open. And, and then God said, I want you to steward this now in a different way. You've steered it in a way to look after families and so on. But now what I want you to do is we, I want you as a family to, to come together and to steward this place as a place where South Africans, black, white, Indian, pink, brown, can come together and rest in a place of unity. I said, Lord, okay, this is not going to work. There's a lot of Arctic of fear places that Afrikaans people go, and they want to go there. And then there's other places that Indian people go, and they want to go there. There ain't no place where people come together, and they look at each other, and they say, oh, okay, but God also made you. This is not a good idea, God. And there was this amazing thing that happened, but our, our long weekend opened up. And we then started marketing staycations. And we started marketing in a way where South Africa could be united. Long story short, during that log weekend, we were fully booked. And then there was a white, drunk Afrikaans guy that allegedly, the court case is still busy, started assaulting and hitting one of our staff. And when they phoned us, Blade and I were away, and they phoned us, and I said, God, what is this? I'm stewarding my five. You are breaking my faith. You are breaking the deal, God. What are you doing? Not a weekend later, there's a political faction that got angry at us because of the people that we had to retrench, and then they wanted to come, and they said that they're going to come to our place, and there was the threat of burning our place down. 
And then I said, God, what are you doing? Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, God, really, if you're truly honest, in stewing a faith, a five, you're saying, God, what are you doing? And the big thunderstorm that we then had two weeks ago, the ESCOM power was hit out, transformer blew, hit our transformer, blew a hole through our generator. And then for a week we were on generator power. And I said, Lord, what are you doing? The same weekend, there was a break-in at our place and they stole a lot of stuff. If you're sitting here and you're saying, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stewarding of five. I want to share these two pieces of scripture with you. The first thing that you need to understand, if you're stewarding a five like me and my family, you need to understand this very clearly. If there's one thing that you understand out of today, is Psalm 56, 8. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. You need to understand that God loves you, even when things go bad. This is what he says. You keep track of all my sorrow. You have collected all all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. But maybe you're sitting here and you say, God, okay, my bottle is full. I can't take any more. The transformation of your mind that needs to happen is this next sentence. God loves you, but because he loves you, he will protect your calling. That promise that is worth fighting for. He will protect your calling and not your comfort. If your expectation at the beginning of this year was that God will protect your comfort, that is not what his scripture says. Mark 14, 34, 36. If you want to hold God accountable, hold him accountable to his word, not your word. This is the word that God says, Mark 14, 34. He says, Jesus is in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane before he has to fulfill his purpose. And Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, stay here and keep watch. And going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, Everything is possible to you with for you. Take this cup from me, and yet not what I will, but what you will. This is how you steward a five rating. One, give your heart, your real heart, not your churchy heart when you bring here on Sundays, or what you take to community groups, or what you take to, to other people. The real heart, give that real heart to God. Jesus said, I am overwhelmed to the point of death. Number two, get people around you that can keep watch with you. 
the power of this church, of people coming together, the power of community groups. It doesn't matter how you bring it together. The power of people standing alongside you that care for you, that love you, but that care more for your calling than your comfort. People that can hold you accountable and say, this is the promise that God has given you. This is a promise that is worth fighting for. This is the thing that we will hold you and hold your hands and arms high. That is the next point. And then the third point, follow God regardless. Not my will, Lord, your will. How do I steward a five? Be honest with God about what you feel. Get people around you that can hold you accountable and that can carry you because this promise is worth the fight. And then thirdly, follow Him. And then you can believe that He will 100% protect that purpose. Amen? I'm going to close just with this last point on stewarding a one rating. If I were to ask you, as you're sitting here, if you honestly had to answer the question, If God, if I'm not in control, is God in control? Who's asked that question? It's fine. During this past year, I asked that question. God, if I'm not in control, who is? Are you in control? I want to share just a quick story. Or maybe I won't share that. No. I want, to, I want to just invite you to make this, this declaration over your own life. This declaration says that control is an illusion, but faith is a fact. Control is an illusion, but faith is a fact. And I believe that if you're feeling out of control, if you do not know what's going to happen in your heart, God... You can, he can stir up faith in your life for a word that He has given you over your life. Can I share a word with you that I really believe that God has got on His heart for you? Is that right? Sure. I believe that God looks over your life and He says, I want you to come and sit down with me and rest with me not trying to control what's going on in your life. Because in that rest, He will give you strategies to replenish and realign and to redesign. But if you start and try to act now and try to get solutions to take control back over your life, that illusion will disappear again. And the fact is that if you have faith for His strategies that will withstand you in all the difficult things that you might be going through. So I really believe God is saying, come and rest with me, and I will show you strategies to replenish and to realign and to redesign. Trust me. Can I share a quick word with you at the back? Is that right? 
I believe God for you is saying in stewarding whatever your circumstances is, that he's got more than just surviving for you. He wants to bless you in ways that you have never experienced before. And I'm not talking about money, and I'm not talking about fame. I'm talking about the real stuff. I'm talking about a purpose that is worth fighting for. And the prophetic word over your life is that you will feed others. I believe that God has got a word for each and every one of us. And I want to close by putting a, a video up on the screen that will give you an opportunity that, that will allow you for a moment to say, God, I want to surrender my heart to you. I want to surrender my heart to your purposes and your promises in a way that I've never done before, in a way that had it not been for 2020, had it not been for the lockdown of COVID-19, had it not been for the uncertainty of what 2021 might have looked like, I would never have understood you in this way, and I would never have come to the point that I am right now that I'm willing to surrender my whole being to you. You can stay seated. We'll put it up on the screen. This is a time, two minutes and 58 seconds between you and God that can change your life, that can change your 2021. Amen. Amen.